0: Hi there, welcome to or welcome back to the Shift Control Podcast. My name is Paul McAnallen. Thanks for joining me on uh, this episode. It seems a bit confessional, but it's been uh, several weeks since my last podcast. Um, Strange times uh, that seem to become or seem to be less and less strange at the moment. Um, I can say they're back to normal, but they're certainly back to pre-March. Traffic on the road seems to be very busy Uh, I was driving up to up the country yesterday, and the volume of traffic was. It was just normal. It was probably a lot busier than it would have been this time of year. Actually, a lot of cars, a lot of lorries in the road. Uh, so there seems to be a sense of things are okay again, which. Um, I would exercise a bit of caution with that positivity. We're not really sure what's going on, but I just hope that everybody that's listening is kind of okay and they haven't had to endure too much over this last 10 or 11 weeks. Um, They've certainly been traumatic for some people, but it's quite interesting that the human behaviour can uh, make us feel, our gut feel, because none of us are scientists really, and even the scientists aren't sure, but we can kind of guess that things are okay again and you can flaunt these rules. Two metres down to one metre, it's okay. Don't have to wear a mask, do have to wear a mask. Uh, don't have to wash the hands as much, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So we find ourselves in a place again where um, there's maybe a bit of complacency. But anyway, I am not really want to talk about that in this podcast. But it's been kind of difficult to think of things to talk about in this uh, in this episode of the podcast. I enjoy the format and I get positive feedback. And... Um, It's a good sounding board, I suppose, as much as anything else. So what I'm going to talk about today is um, the values of the... the, uh, I'm going to talk about those values that constitute uh, competency in sales. It's something I've talked about before. I've used David Brailsford from Sky Cycling to talk about those characteristics and what, what areas can be improved, what areas are important, first of all, and what areas can be improved um in the coaching sessions that I do I would talk about typically 11 uh characteristics from likable down to being understood I'll talk about those again in a second or two but since then and since working with some clients over over the last four or five weeks it's become apparent that there are some key characteristics that are that that are evident that are, are evidently missing that's um, probably um a list that isn't just fixed at those 11 and it's my interpretation so I've Review those and I'm going to talk about that later what I want to talk about first of all to try and segue between the current situation that we're having to deal with and sales is um, a book that I've been listening to uh, called Humankind by Rutger Bregman who's a, a, a brilliant brilliant writer I've got the audiobook so um, I'm enjoying listening to to the book He's a Dutch historian and sort of a popular historian really um, he has got some really really interesting uh interviews that reoccur on social media um he has a brilliant ted talk he has been uh labeled as one of europe's most prominent young thinkers um and he's a really good writer <laughs> The book called humankind is um i suppose the best way to as a as a hopeful history um it's kind of uh in the world we're living in right now, there's so many indicators of negativity. There are so many. Um, you turn on the news, you turn on social media, you look at your political leadership, you look at um, what's going on so locally and socially from the clamor from for toilet paper at the very start of the pandemic all the way um, up to you know your own personal experience about the debate really of um, humanity's core instincts, they're either good or bad, and um, the, the the book is just is brilliant um, in the way that he articulates two particular positions that our um, philosophers from the past would have held. So Thomas Hobbes, who was a 17th century English uh, philo- philosopher would have argued that humans are typically by nature selfish, untrustworthy, and dangerous. And the counter argument to that uh, comes a hundred years later from Rousseau, the French philosopher, who would say that uh, his quote is "Man was born free, but it's uh, civilizations put 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 him in chains." Um, and that eternal battle between the English and the French is won yet again by the Frenchman. Um, he puts together some really compelling arguments using various uh, stories that we're probably all familiar with. Historical facts, historical inaccuracies, and it was—it's brilliant learning. Um, one of the um, positions that he would take is around the um, American Civil War, and he talks about a point in the Civil War. I think it might have been at, at Gettysburg, where all of the Confederate rifles that were picked up—some eighteen thousand rifles that were found on the battlefield. Over 90% of them weren't fired. A high percentage of them had, uh, because they were musket, ball, and um, powder um, loading, manual loading muskets. Um, A lot of them had two and three uh, bullets or balls stuffed in. Um, And in in that type of warfare, the most time-critical thing is getting the... uh, the gun loaded, and you fire it instantaneously, and you're back loading it again. Some people were loading their guns two times, and three times, and four times to avoid firing. That's uh, a case study, I suppose, to uh, defend the position that people are inherently good, and even in the in moments of battle, um, humans are reluctant to um, to kill to become the aggressor. One of the biggest. Uh, Revelations in the book, if you call it a revelation, was the um, debunking of a Stanford experiment. So the Stanford experiment was a social psychology experiment that um, was all about perceived power and the struggle between two groups of people, one determined as prisoners and the other one determined as prison officers. Um, It was by uh, a guy called Zimbardo, um, and it happened in a week in August 1971. And it was fascinating at the time because in the conditions that were created, the prison guards became more adversarial and aggressive towards the prisoners. Like they were making them stand naked for 15 minutes. They were depriving them of food and water and all sorts of stuff. And it looked as if, uh, given the right conditions or given the wrong conditions, that people would move diametrically, Um, two diametrically opposed positions so um, the people with power became more powerful and the people who were perceived as weak became weaker and um, this is a fascinating um, sort of focus on the struggle between um, those in power and those not in power. And it's not true, it's all made up by uh, Zimbardo. He had set up the prison guards to behave in a certain way um, it was kind of the forerunner, really, to Big Brother. You know, um, when they put these people together in Big Brother and expecting um, a mini Lord of the Flies, and all they got was really shit TV. Um, you know, and, and, and Lord Lord of the Flies, William Golding's book, is a completely uh, an incredible best bestseller. I did it at O level at school, um, way back, GCSE level as it is now. And um, it was a brilliant book, but it was kind of very scary. You know, it was the idea that people, when put in positions, um, like the positions of power, could and could and would um, exploit those positions of power. And it's not, not necessarily a metaphor for what's going on today in America and uh, on the other island and um, in England and to a lesser degree here, but there's evidently things at play, whether they're contrived or by default or by design, to push the poles apart and leave no middle ground at all um, for any kind of debate. There's another part of the book that they talk about, um, or Bregman talks about, which is about Easter Island. He clashes somewhat with Jared Diamond in it, and Jared Diamond has written some brilliant books on uh, human behaviour and how where you're born and the food you eat and, you know, hunter-gatherer stuff determines your your kind of outcome. And the story about Easter Island, um, where there were people from the long ears and the short ears and people who came from Polynesia and how they kind of fought each other and all this sort of stuff and these myths about the whole kind of population of the island been wiped out because they just ended up fighting against each other, which has been debunked as well. And... Anyway, the bottom line of the book is, and it's really worth reading, it's called Humankind. I'm three quarters of the way through it, so unless he he completely blows up in the last 40 pages or so, um, I'd say it's definitely worth reading. And it's about um, the human... It's it's an optimistic take on humanity, which I think is what everybody needs to read right now. Um, And kind of segueing back into um, sales and business development, the in some areas today it's really really evident where negativity has taken root and it's really evident to see where positivity has taken root also. It's been a very very challenging and traumatic time for most people. I'm very lucky I, I, I pulled a pin on, on where I was living and went to live in an entirely different area. I was very lucky that hey the the place was available, that I could afford it, that it was close to my partner and all that sort of stuff. I was very, very lucky. But there are some people who are living in decent places who just didn't have the same luxury or flexibility. And there's some people who are living normal lives, just, you know, living in horrible places before March and who had to go through God knows what hell to get through the other side. That's put stress on uh, their emotions, stress on their interpersonal relationships, their family relationships, so on and so forth. So, I count my blessings. Um, but it's it's the it's the kind of optimistic thing that that intrigues me. That um, in the book, humankind is like we are. I would agree with Rousseau that we are um, born free, and civilization has put us in chains. Just think of how chained you are to your technology that you think is a crutch for everyday living, and that's not. That, um, Crossover of the need for technology to work at home and to s- survive in business, or the need to have no technology and get back to nature and become more grounded and um, get in touch with where we really came from, because we're at a point now where we're moving into uncharted territory in terms of the reliance on technology, uh, you know, automated intelligence, machine learning, all that kind of stuff uh, has been positioned as enhancing our lives and I would say the last 10 or 11 weeks has been a real back to basics thing for me and all right I'm recording a podcast here with an Apogee mic and I've got my Mac and I've got uh, some other kit and I'll upload stuff onto the internet but um, it's the paradox of making sure the balance between the technology you need and the technology you don't need. Anyway, read that book. Another book I'm, I've started as well in the hard copy is *The Coddling of the American Mind*, how good intentions and bad ideas are setting up a generation for failure, um, by Greg Lukianoff or Greg Lucky Enough. Um, I don't know how you pronounce that. Um, so I've read some of it at the start, and there's uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of references in the back and the appendices. So I don't normally uh, get the books that have validated their thinking, but this. He's a very, very considered author. He's <clears throat> runs an organization called FAR, which is about uh, supporting um, teachers in the profession right now, which I'm sure is under more challenges than most. And um, another one that's, that's worth reading. I think it's really important to step sideways from sales books and business books to get into some kind of um, world that offers you a better insight into how people behave, because that's really going to be the currency of moving forward. <clears throat> Excuse me, I think that's gonna be the currency of moving forward in, in the sales and business development business is really understanding how people think. Right now, more than ever, it's important to get a better understanding of how people think. Maslow's hierarchy of needs haven't really shifted that much. Um, in fact, in this last nine or ten weeks, things have got a very, very, very basic down to a very basic level. They should have done for most people. You know, I'm talking about people who operate in the middle, operate in the hump of the bell curve, not people who operate on the left or who operate in the extreme right talking about people who are kind of um, the, the, the mass majority which is probably where most people want to operate. Um, you know there are ex- there are extremes that will see world through a different lens entirely and will operate where maybe we will never understand or we will never get close to but for most of us that's that's the sweet spot and <clears throat> this takes me back to those characteristics of selling that I'd mentioned before. and I'm going to read them out, I just list them. Okay, so it's like likable, dependable, memorable, authentic or authenticity, valuable, consistent, integrity, relevant, honest, versatile, and understood. <clears throat> Those were the 11 that I've been working on. As, um, so what I would do, I would speak to individuals or a team and I would get them to talk about the scale on a one to 10, how likable are you in the context of your work? So that's open to many, many different interpretations. But I'm only interested in how the salesperson views themselves, because they can't really. There's no point in me trying to change them for for me. They need to change for themselves, and it's really important that their worldview stands out. So, so you're looking at likable one to ten, all the way down to uh, understood. When I'm working with people, they come back and. Uh, the people who score themselves 8 or 9 out of 10 across all those characteristics is is unreal. Um, I'd say about 90% of everybody is scoring themselves 7 or 8 out of 10 on most of them, which is, uh, there must be some behavioural scientist who can explain that kind of bias um, where people in a team environment or a group environment don't want to be seen or behave uh, uh, in a way that will make them look weaker than anybody else. Um, But ultimately, it's all about changing So the other two that I I added on, um, that really, really, um, there's actually three that I added on. And initiative was the next one. Um, Really important that if you're an employer and you're looking to employ a top rated business development exec, And you see it in recruitment ads, or at least you used to see it in recruitment ads. And those that still say it probably need to consider a different way of saying it. But can you work on your own initiative? You know, Um, are you a free thinker? Can you work on your own initiative? Most of the businesses that employ people like that don't really want you to work on your own initiative. They want you to be like conveyor belt, jump on, shut your mouth, nine to five, actually eight to six, go home and just set your targets. But those businesses who have got a, a culture that fosters initiative, Will genuinely want people who will come in and sit and think differently about their about their work. Um, if it's not broken, break it is a quote that I would use quite a lot as well because sometimes the process and the system for doing things um, has been okay up to this point. But if you want to crack on through uh, a time like we're in right now, you need to think differently, and you need people who can think differently on their own and away from yourself. Um, one of the things that I kind of struggled with. Um, would be to let people flourish underneath me, um, you know, using their own initiative. I used to get really um, do-it-my-way kind of approach, which hopefully has changed over this last number of years, but certainly in the early years of management, it was like, um, it, it wouldn't have been cool to admit, um, but it was the way it was, because it was the way I was taught and the way I learned. And actually looking back now, that that some of the best experiences that I've had in in, in sales or in business have been with those people who have just, handed you the rope and said right you can run with it or you can you can you can you can sort of metaphorically hang yourself with it and showing your own initiative in an environment and a culture that encourages that is a joy to behold and it's really easy to coach into that environment as well. The second uh, characteristic that I would put in would be energy and uh, that kind of defines itself in a number of ways so it's not just about what, what what does energy look like um, you know, it doesn't necessarily just mean you come in in the morning like a steam train and you're, you're deadly, um, you go to deadly pace. And because maybe it's not that kind of pace that, that's needed, but um, for definite um, energy is required to get you through days, to get you through times where you're able to um, perform better or, or as good as you need to. And at times, at high performance, you're performing better than everybody else. So it's trying to, trying to work out what kind of energy um, is enough and how can you fuel that energy. So a lot of people may not um, may think their energy is good, they're out running and they're out doing all that sort of stuff and they're fit enough and everything else. Um, that's not really the kind of energy I'm talking about. There's four pillars of high performance that are physical, technical, tactical and mental. So um, your energy isn't just physical and Sometimes the mental energy and the capacity to slow down requires energy. Um, There were sales teams that I worked with in 2013, and three lads on the phone were generating sales calls, and they were coming in drinking Red Bull. Monster, it was actually, but energy drinks first thing in the morning because they thought that's what they needed to get over the hump. And once you're into that vicious circle, what happens is essentially that you can't um, survive without four or five shots of caffeine in the morning. So that's not energy, that's just poison. so characteristic of, of a high-performance salesperson is that they bring energy that's infectious. They bring not only their own energy in terms of positivity and uh, dynamism, but they also bring enough energy to get them through the day. And that is uh, then leads into a whole other area about how you fuel yourself um, seven days a week. And it's not really something that's coached in a lot of businesses that I've worked with, um, but I know that in some of the... Um, Hyper modern businesses, then there's a real focus on energy, and that getting building gyms and and putting putting equipment gym equipment into the office, for example, is not done just to show or for show. It's done so that the staff can go and take half an hour, forty five minutes, and work out and just clear their heads. Um, those people who even put in pool tables and all that sort of stuff. The idea that that will be done cosmetically is is just really, really nauseating. You know, that there are people who um, have put in all of the the pinball machines and your football table and your table tennis table, but don't have the culture to support that. Um so energy can be wasted, but I think it's an important characteristic and an attribute for a good salesperson. I've hopefully I haven't kind of drifted it too much in that one. And the final one that's really the most important is commitment. Um because the more I read about motivation and inspiration, like it's a bit like jump leads for a flat battery in a car. It's only so often you can go to your boss or your partner or a sales coach or somebody and get a good lift of spirits because, you know, to to feel better about themselves, to restore confidence, to do all that kind of um, energising because that's an energy thing. Motivation is kind of a rejuvenation and reinvigorating energy. Commitment is dedication to to the job, how how, how committed are you? Um, I know that the furlough uh, programme has caused some difficulties for employers and employees um, I know both who are kind of stretching the system to its very limits from the employer perspective and the employee perspective. But if you're on furlough and you're not allowed to do any work physically, if you're in sales in furlough, it doesn't stop you from thinking. It doesn't stop you from making a plan and a strategy and... and um trying to get yourself geared up for that moment or that day that you will come back because the moment furlough ends that will be the 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 most clear picture of the economic landscape will happen then not now so people who are committed to their work and committed to the business and committed to the right job will know by their actions what to do and those actions will prove how committed they are so um i've been i've worked in businesses and I probably worked in industries for years where I um, just didn't re- realize or recognize that I didn't have the commitment to it. I worked for a couple, one newspaper in England that I was committed to the idea of working with the team that I was with. I wasn't committed to working for the Mail on Sunday but I was committed to the people that I worked with because the management had created a brilliant culture that I was lucky to be part of. And then I worked for some media people over here. And with the greatest respect to everybody, including myself, I just didn't give a shit about it. You know, I, in fact, some of the and it it wasn't to my credit either. It uh, The fact that I'm saying it now probably is 15, 15 years too late. I should have been saying it to every person that I worked with when I first came back from England because I had no commitment to media here in the north. I like, I just have no respect for the media right now. And I don't mean that disrespectfully to the people. I mean to the output and the content and and um you know the landscape of media in Northern Ireland is not what the people deserve and that's for a fact. Uh, so it's important to have commitment to your own cause. And if you're committed to your own cause then you can you can be committed to somebody else's. So when you're writing down the characteristics and I'll, again, I'll go from the start, likable, dependable, memorable authenticity, um, authentic, valuable, consistent, integrity, relevant, honest, versatile, understood, initiative, energy and commitment. I know I leave some people standing when I, I mention some of those, like they never they look at me and go, well, like what do you mean relevant? Like what does relevant mean? Um, how, what do you mean understood? Some of these are really basic and some of them are quite complex, but it's a, a good time now to start thinking and putting a score to all of these, um, which is a really good benchmark. It's not a be-all, an end-all. It's not a panacea for anything, but it's a really good benchmark for scoring yourself against yourself, not the rest of the world, scoring yourself against yourself. Um, you know, I hope that makes sense, um, and I hope it kind of hasn't wavered a little bit because this 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 podcast up, up to now is is really about the human characteristics and how being yourself and being human can add value to sales like I, I i don't particularly um think that sales is as as seen as importantly as it should be here but i also don't believe that it's kind of the the divine-like position is given in the States. I think somewhere in the middle, it's the lifeblood of a business, um, but it needs to fit into a culture and it needs to be seen as an equitable or on an equal basis with everybody else in that organization. Um, Sales just is what it is. Finally, um, I want to talk about uh, LinkedIn. Uh, So LinkedIn in the current format as a premium user is awful. It's pumping out content now that that was the reason I I deleted my Facebook account it just doesn't appeal to me Um, I think there's some really good things going on and there's some interesting content there's a few people that I follow that um, share some amazing content Uh, one specifically would be uh, the innovation show with Aidan McCollum who's just deadly the people he interviews just way out there Damien Hughes who I've referenced many times has pumped out some brilliant content and then there's a real drop-off after that. So I, I managed to speak to somebody last week who I know works on LinkedIn, and um, he uh, kind of cleared the picture for me in many ways. So what you get currently on LinkedIn is what they would call white noise. And you just get stuff, and everybody wants to randomize it and put out their stuff, that's great. And for a lead generation tool, for a business development tool, it, it's okay. Um but I've I've been really, really wanting to disconnect from it along with Twitter and along with Facebook and just keep Instagram for the happy pictures, you know. So I spoke to um Andy, Andy Sweeney, is a Belfast lad working for LinkedIn in, in Dublin, real real sound fella. Um and he uh was telling me about LinkedIn's perspective of that and they call that the white noise they see. Everything that we see is white noise. But what they do is um They have created a platform through Sales Navigator, which is a a proper social selling platform where you can use um, all of your skills and your curiosity and your research and everything else to build up profiles of really relevant targets to go and target rather than just um, spending days on Google. You get some really, really uh, top-level information of names, names. and you can create cohorts, and you can create segments that you can follow, and so on and so forth. Which is a bit like what people would have done back in the old day. You'd have gone to your socialising um, events back in, in in the day, and and advertising, recruitment, advertising. There were a whole lot of get-togethers of people like-minded people. You didn't go with your presenter and start selling, but you went and listened to commentary and had a couple of beers, and then you followed. Um, you know, you you kept in touch over a period of time, and then you tried to move in for. Whatever selling you had to do, and this Sales Navigator is a fairly sophisticated uh, online tech version of all that, and it makes a lot of sense. So I, I'm going to give it a shot over the next six months myself. Um, um, some of the work I'm doing for clients that involves st- strategic business development, I'm going to I'm going to have a look at that. Um, it's expensive, but you know what? I'm paying like I don't know fifty pound a month or whatever it is now for LinkedIn Premium, and I'm getting bored of my face. I'm not using it at all. Um, i got a shift control page that I don't really promote my stuff on i got my own personal page that I'm muting people flat out and I'm sure they're muting me flat out but um, that's not really it's like going to a social event and then walking straight through the room and finding another exit on the other side of the room by not speaking to people it's a waste of time so um, I'll keep you posted on that thanks for listening this far i really appreciate your 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 feedback um i've had some very positive feedback i've had some feedback that challenges some of the um conventions of my thinking and i'd be probably wanting to encourage more uh challenging to the thinking because um contrary to what some of my friends might think i don't think i know everything i just i'm wanted um i'm still open to learn and um i'm only putting forward perspective that is trying to challenge people into thinking so thanks for listening so far um if you want to follow me i'm on linkedin paul mckinallan m-c-a-n-a-l-l-e-n um the company's shift-control.co.uk that's the website i'm also um on i'm on no other social media apart from instagram and that's all for personal stuff so um thanks very much the reference to the book is humankind by Rutger bregman It's brilliant. And the other book that I'm kind of getting my hands on is The Coddling of the American Mind by Greg Lukianoff and Jonathan Haidt, um, described by The Economist as wise and scrupulous. So there you go. Must be true if it's The Economist. Um, Take it easy and I'll talk to you again.